Hi everyone, welcome to the De-Risk Podcast, Episode 8, Working From Home. In this episode, I interview Yu Ying Deng, the CEO of Esavel, all about risks that employers face with a remote workforce. We hope you enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of De-Risk. I have Yu Ying Deng with me as my guest speaker today. Yu Ying is the founder and CEO of Esavel. Esavel helps companies reduce the complexity of managing a dispersed workforce with a comprehensive platform that takes care of remote employees' safety, productivity, and day-to-day work needs. She launched her company during the circuit breaker because she saw that COVID had accelerated the trend to remote work. Her passion lies in empowering people to work from anywhere and still be capable of achieving their best work possible. Thanks so much, Yu Ying, for joining me today on De-Risk. Thanks, Ruth. I'm really happy to be here. I think it's really cool that you started your company during Circuit Breaker, uh, that you saw that there was this opportunity. And I know from, you know, just being uh, in Singapore when they announced the whole Circuit Breaker setup, Mm -hmm. that it came on pretty suddenly. I think from memory we had only a few days before um, it was in force. Um, I'd be keen to know from you what you think were the key challenges for companies who had to suddenly, you know, transition and set up a work from home um, setup. Yeah. So, I mean, like you, I think in April, it came very suddenly. Um, It was like within, you know, one or two days that we had to tell employees, okay, everyone, you now have to work remotely. So when I look at it in hindsight, we actually saw that the challenge uh, for companies came in three phases. The first, I would say, is the infrastructure stage. Um, The second had to do with people themselves. And then the third was the structure and the systems that the companies had. So regarding infrastructure, um, we saw that companies had to rush to get their infrastructure correct. And this was especially hard for some SMEs, which were more traditional in terms of their approach. Um, We saw that there was a rush for items like laptops, because now every employee had to have a laptop so that they could work from home. Um, There was a rush for cloud servers, business applications like video conferencing software and so on. So at the height of COVID in April, there was actually a 50% surge in Zoom users from 200 million to 300 million people just within three weeks. So that was amazing. Uh, It was actually amazing that companies managed to get their act together so quickly. In terms of the second challenge um, for people, they actually had to get their people prepared to work remotely. So for example, uh, they had to tell their employees, how do I communicate with my team? How do I communicate with my boss? As a manager, how do I make sure that work actually gets done? So it was at this point in time that people discovered Slack, they discovered video calls, they discovered you know, that you were better off by tracking metrics rather than managing by eye. And frankly, people seem to be thriving. According to this IOMetric survey that we saw, 68% of employees say that they actually enjoy working from home. And 70% of managers actually say that work from home is the same or even better for their team's work performance. So if you think about it, it's quite amazing because of of the very difficult situation that we're in. Um, Our partners are also working from home. If your partner is like mine, you would know that, you know, Partners can sometimes be quite noisy when they're working next to you, um, noisy typing away on their keyboards or having calls. And if you have kids, you also have to deal with their homeschooling as well. 
But yet employees seem to have done very well and have been very productive throughout this entire period. I mean, admittedly now, we're starting to see issues emerge around stress and around mental health and physical elements like back and neck pain. So it also does go to show that some sort of calibration and employer support is required for employees. So talking about the third challenge, uh, which is the structure and the systems that companies have, I think this is something that most companies have only started to deal with. And it is actually not surprising because there's so much uncertainty right now. Companies do not know if they should make long-term changes because they don't know how long COVID is going to last. So the changes to the structure and system that I'm starting to see comes down to fundamental decisions, such as should I be using different performance metrics to assess my employees? Should I be looking at a fundamental shift in terms of my real estate uh, policy and so on. So these were the challenges that we saw for companies who had to transition to work from home. Thanks. That's really, really insightful. And, and also, um, I mean, it, because everyone was in the same boat, you know, I can really relate to mm. some of the things that you mentioned. <laughs> um, you, you talked about employers needing to support their teams. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you think are the responsibilities that employers still have despite having a workforce that's remote? Right. So this is a really interesting question and I actually got asked it a lot. So that was why about two months ago, we actually sat down and we wrote a white paper together with uh, Raja and Tan, which is a law firm, to look at what are the employment law uh, kind of uh, duties that employers have towards the employees. So what we found was that actually under the common law and under statutes, it's perfectly clear. Employers are to provide a safe work environment for the employees and not to put them in harm's way. So if you were to look at it under the different types of law, under common law, this is an implied term of the employment contract. And under Singapore statutes, this is actually covered by the Workplace Safety and Health Act, the Work Injury Compensation Act and also guidelines that are set by the Workplace Safety and Health Council. So just to give you an example of what the responsibility is, if we were to look at the language of like the Workplace Safety and Health Act, under it, employers have a responsibility to take reasonably practicable measures to ensure the safety and health of employees at the workplace. That's number one. And number two, they also have to proactively identify and mitigate risk and hazards in the workplace. But what is most notable over here, right, is that in their definition of workplace, the law actually does not differentiate between offices and home offices. So regardless of where your employees work, your responsibility as an employer for their health and safety still does not change. So this is something that I think many employers may not be aware of, and it's something that they should you know, become familiar with very quickly. Right, that's, that's really interesting. So nothing has really changed in terms of the responsibilities. Mm -hmm. No matter that's where right. that workplace is, whether it's in a fixed office, a home, potentially at a cafe, um, yeah, wherever yeah. the employees are working out of, right? Exactly. As long as your employer knows that you're working out of there, they have a responsibility towards you as an employee. Okay. And so... That's their responsibilities. Now, what are sort of the risks that employers face now with this new setup that their employee, mm. their workforce could be working out of anywhere? 
Yeah, so that's a very interesting question because if you were to look at it, I, I think that all of us can sort of see this from a kind of personal perspective as well because we are all working from home now, most of us. So what we have seen is that employees actually face different types of risk when they work from home as compared to working from the office. So some sorts of risks, for example, you know, accidents that happen while you're committing to work, those type of risks decrease, but actually others increase. So it's important that employers should make sure that they understand what these risks are and to take steps to protect their employees. So for us, we actually see three types of key risks increasing when people work from home. Um, one that we see a lot of is uh, poor home setups that lead to ergonomic injuries. So if you think about it, most of us are working in offices where we are very well provided for. Our facility manager, office managers, they make sure that we're provided with ergonomic chairs, external monitors and keyboards and so on. We ask for it and we get it. However, when we start working from home, we have to settle for whatever our homes may have. So you see a lot of people working off their sofas, their coffee tables, their beds, and their dining tables. And while some people have bought their own home office equipment, many others are actually holding back because they don't know when they'll be asked to return to the office. So there also may be a general feeling that perhaps the company should compensate them for this because they're doing their jobs on these equipments after all. After a while, all these kind of bad ergonomic setups start to result in back and neck pain and other kind of musculoskeletal injuries. So there was this very interesting survey that was done by the American Chiropractic Association, which showed that 92% of chiropractors in the U.S. said that patients report more back, neck um, pain and musculoskeletal problems since the stay-at-home order began. And this morning, I just spoke to another physiotherapist contact of mine, and I also heard this anecdotally from him as well. So it's, it's a problem that I would say is quite global um, as long as people work from home. Another risk that we see increasing a lot is that of uh, cybersecurity. So I think that this one, you know, when we collaborate virtually, like whether we do it over Slack or whether we do it over email or Zoom, we exchange information a lot more frequently through the internet. And this exposes more opportunities for these information to be intercepted. Also, if you think about it, compared to the office where you have IT managers who are managing firewalls, um, as an employee, my home Wi-Fi network probably has much weaker protection. So this also increases possibilities of breaches as well. I think what's very interesting is that breaches can potentially be expensive and pretty damaging to a company's reputation. So I learned from your NMP website recently that the cost of a cyber incident could exceed 300000 uh, for startups. And this is mind-blowing because that's a huge sum of money for, for any startup to have to undertake. Uh, the third risk that we see, you know, it's probably lesser in the context compared to the, the top two risks, but it's actually damaged company property or equipment. So this is something that, you know, will happen to all of us when you bring a laptop home or any other kind of company equipment home. This exposes the equipment to accidents that can happen in any household. So you have dogs, you know, you have like active cats or you have children at home. For example, I have three kids at home, um, you know. Things like coffee spilling over a laptop or a laptop falling down on the floor, you know, that's all these possibilities could happen. And I understand that many business insurances do not offer coverage for properties that are damaged outside of the office premises. So this means that this is a loss that the company itself has to undertake. Thanks. I thought it was interesting how you said at the start that accidents 
probably decrease with people working from home. Mm. But then interesting that your third risk that you identify is more um, damages to company property. And that's mostly because of like your, your anecdotes about accidents with animals and pets or whatever at home. So it's interesting. Maybe yeah, children, less- children in my case. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting. It's less like you think it's less personal accidents, but more mm-hmm. accidents to like property damage. Definitely, the risk the risk profile um, of the company would change uh, the more remote workers it has. Right, and um, I guess it's laptops mostly, right? That we're talking about when we talk about um, company property. But that's I I would see uh, just thinking for our own company mm-hmm. with Anapi, that's probably my most valuable uh, company mm. asset that we have. Physical asset would be my laptop. Yep, yep, that's right. Mm. And many things can happen to laptops, as you know. Yes, for sure. Okay, and what do you think um, companies can do about these things, these risks, and how could they really mitigate these risks? Okay, so I think that, you know, when companies think about mitigating the risk, um, they can think about it in terms of like a five-step kind of process. So the first thing that they really need to do is to look at having a work-from-home policy for their own company. I personally feel that this is very necessary because having a written policy places on record what is and what is not acceptable when an employee works from home. So eventually this helps to prevent misunderstandings that you can have with your employees. As an employer, this also helps to protect you if something does go wrong with a kind of work from home situation. So for a work from home policy, there are certain things that have to be addressed inside. So for example, who is entitled to work from home and who is not? What are their working hours expected to be? Is there any flexibility as to that? your work from home employees supposed to check in with you every day? What is your expectations of their response time? Uh, where are they allowed to work remote work? Are they supposed to work from home only or are they allowed to go out to cafes? And also whether they'll be reimbursed for the expenses that they will incur. Because it's just a fact that if you're going to work from home, you would eventually have to be working on a proper desk, a proper ergonomic chair. You might have to upgrade your Wi-Fi system. You know, you have to turn your on your air conditioning bill. So all these are additional expenses that employees would incur. So they should know whether they will get reimbursed for these. I think the second step that a company should take is to review the employment contracts. So this is something that the head of employment at Raja and Tan also suggested. Under Singapore employment law, uh, we actually have the obligation as employers to state the place of contract in the employment contract itself. So if you look at most contracts, they would say that uh, the place of employment would be in the office or such other places mutually agree. However, the best practice is that if the employee is going to be working from home for a prolonged period of time, home should specifically be mentioned in the employment contract. The third step that we think should be taken um, is that a pre-assessment of the workplace should be conducted. So the workplace being the home office. I mentioned previously that under Singapore laws, employers owe their employees a duty of care to ensure that they have a safe work environment. So if you think back, there is no way that you as an employee would know whether your employees have a safe work environment unless there was some sort of assessment. So there could be critical areas that your employee may not know of, such as um, they may not know that they have an improper work setup. Uh, They may not know that, you know, their power strip is overloaded. So all these are situations that can result in an injury to the employee, which will eventually come back to the employer in terms of liability. 
for assessments of workplace, there are various ways to do it. So it can range from a very basic self-assessment checklist uh, with or without vetting by an expert or even in-person kind of inspection. So a company that is really a stickler about these kind of workplace safety could get an expert to visit the employee's home to do an assessment on the spot. So of course, this is not very possible right now because of COVID, but um, this is just to let you know that there's a spectrum of ways in which uh, companies can do these kind of workplace assessments. Got it. Um, the first... Mm. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, interrupt. I was going to say, and there's probably also a cost factor involved too, if you want to get Definitely. a consultant to yes. come to everybody's homes or if Definitely. you have a check. The checklist sounds like a really, really good pragmatic first approach. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be a checklist, um, ergonomic checklist, safety checklist that the employee will check um, and then sign off on to make mm. sure that they have done everything. Right. So the, the important thing about why we need this assessment tool is uh, then comes in the fourth step because this assessment tool is then going to tell you what are the gaps that is uh, revealed in your employee's workplace. So the employer, as an employer, you must then help to fill in this gap according to your work from home policy and you must train the employee as well. So for instance, let's take an example that the employee has filled in this checklist and you found out that they're sitting on a stool right? They don't have a proper chair. So what do you, can you do at that stage? So you would then look back on your work from home policy and you would see, okay, maybe you can give the employee an allowance in the form of a stipend to purchase or to lease um, an ergonomic chair for the employee. For instance, through a service like SFL, what we provide. Or the, your work from home policy could also be in the form of providing a monetary stipend that the employee can then use to purchase or lease a stool or chair for, uh, a chair for themselves. Yeah. So what is important to note is that if the employee actually chooses the stipend, it is important to make sure that they actually choose something appropriate. So for instance, if the employee has a stool, you know, they're not going to use the stipend to buy another stool. You have to educate them as to why they need an ergonomic office chair and the employee has to understand why it's important that they get one. So th this is the important thing, that the employees uh, shouldn't just be given the stipend, they should also be trained and educated as to why they need such an equipment. Yeah, that right. makes sense. And then the fifth step is um, to ensure sufficient insurance coverage for remote employees. This is because uh, many business insurances may not currently cover work from home in, uh, incidents. However, there have been quite a few new insurance products that came up, like the one by CHAP, which we spoke about previously. And, uh, you know, these kind of insurances specifically addresses work from home risk. So um, my understanding of the CHAP insurance is that it does provide mental health coverage, ergonomic coverage as well. So all these are very relevant for work from home situations. For sure. And um, I suppose, you know, go back to the first kind of mitigating point that you brought up with this having a work from home policy. I suppose mm -hmm. that needs to be updated pretty regularly, given um, what the government announced a couple of weeks ago now that, you know, 50% mm -hmm. of the workforce can go back to the office. I know just from mm -hmm. speaking with a few people that like the fact that's available doesn't mean many people are going back. Um, maybe mm -hmm. some companies are actually enforcing that. And so that would be, need to be reflected in the, their work from home policy as well. Mm. Um, mm, that's for sure. Yeah. Cause I guess um, what we're seeing in, over the last six months or so um, things change so quickly with um, government regulations mm -hmm. with the circuit breaker with this phase two, who knows what's happening next with a potential phase three and um, 
I guess employers need to be thinking about um, their responsibilities, what they're supposed to be doing, how they're supposed to be protecting their employees and making sure they're still following all the rules and ticking all the boxes, right? <laughs> it is a lot of things. Yeah, it is a lot of things that's going on. And I think that one thing is that it's not just about the regulations, but it's also about how apprehensive people feel towards going back to the office. So, you know, going to an office and having to get into public transit, like the, the MRTs, which can be quite crowded, yes. or going up a lift with people. So even when you get to your office itself, like even if it's spaced out and you have your own private office, but there's still the whole process of going into the office in, in the first place. So it's also about the psychological part of it for, for the employees as well. Yeah, and I forgot the statistic that you mentioned at the beginning about mm. how many people are working from home and enjoying it. Like I'm, I'm definitely mm. in that bucket. Like I enjoy it. <laughs> I, I've got my setup. I feel comfortable. I feel like it's been long enough that it's become the new norm for me. And so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really happy with my setup. Okay, let's say next month, 75% mm -hmm. of the workforce can go back. And then 100%, I, I have my doubts as to whether we're going to go back to the old way of working out of an office, um, mm -hmm. like how we know, because people are just so comfortable and there's still that fear factor like you said about taking the MRT or being outside with people um, so I mm. feel like we're transitioning to this new way of working which is a remote workforce and mm. uh, if companies haven't gotten up with um, what how, how they should be responding as employers I think this is a really good topic to be discussing and um, thinking about these these things that you've mentioned and the risks involved Mm -hmm. um, I mean, many, many companies have done it on an ad hoc kind of basis, right? When the COVID, when COVID just started. So they said, all right, um, now that we know that we have a work from home situation, I want to make sure that my employees have almost a kind of like hardship stipend. So mm -hmm. I'll give them like a thousand dollars, a thousand five, they can go out and buy whatever they want. So some large companies have done that. Yeah. However, if you think about it, it's not actually a long-term solution. Because uh, your employees are incurring more costs other than that. So there's their air conditioning bills, the Wi-Fi bills, you know, in addition to the kind of like equipments that they buy. And how do you onboard new employees? Do you give them the same benefits and so on? So we actually see that there's a lot of room out there for a kind of more mid to long term solution to go in uh, to provide for companies uh, who intend to have a proportion of their workforce work remotely. Right. And um, maybe just because uh, I'm just conscious of time, maybe the last question mm -hmm. then with, with thinking about this as a mid to long term solution of a remote workforce, mm -hmm. what do you think are the new risks that we might be seeing in the future um, mm -hmm. coming up as, as this becomes the new norm? Mm. I think that when we look at this going into the future, I think we can assume that a certain proportion of people are going to remain working from home or they might be doing hybrid work, right? Where they might spend two days in the office and three days at home doing different sorts of work there. So I see two sorts of potential risks that's coming around this. Um, one, I think, would be the cultural risk. So what I see is that right now we are benefiting off our relationships that we've previously built. So whether it's with our colleagues or whether it's with our clients, these were relationships built pre-COVID through face-to-face -face interactions. However, I think both you and I know that meeting people virtually for the first time is very different from meeting them uh, in person or having a lunch and coffee with them. So the new relationships will have to be built 
And uh, I think it's not going to be conducive to do everything remotely. So it might be more of a kind of hybrid work from home and office situation, where the home almost becomes a place that you spend three days of the week doing focused, productive work. And the office almost becomes like a clubhouse of sorts, where you can go and strengthen or build your social relationships and have creating brainstorming sessions. So I think this is especially important when onboarding new employees. You need to have a system that they can become familiar with whom they can go to for help or even, uh, you know, it will force companies, I feel, to become a lot more organized and thoughtful about onboarding people, which is not a bad thing. So the, the first uh, risk that I see is the cultural one. Companies do have to make some effort to give some thought as to how they're going to build up their company culture if part of the workforce is going remote. The second risk that I see uh, coming out in the future is when some employees go back to the office and some remain working from home, we have to make sure that we continue to engage and support the remote employees, even though we don't see them every day. So it cannot mean that because these employees are out of sight, they should be out of mind because otherwise these employees would become disengaged and they might eventually leave to other companies that can support them better. So this means creating a system around them where they can continue to contribute fully, uh, whether this is through workplace collaboration and productivity tools or like workplace setups within their own home offices uh, in which they can feel productive and well. And also, you know, company support for their needs uh, in areas like technology and cybersecurity and so on. So basically, these are the two risks that I see um, going into the future. Great. Thank you. This is extremely insightful. Um, I think lots to think about for even personally for Anapia as we are remote at the moment and, you know, we have mm -hmm. been onboarding new stuff. So this is all really helpful stuff for me to think about and I'm sure mm -hmm. for some of our other listeners as well as, as they assess their current setups and how that might be transitioning to potentially this hybrid model that you talk about in the future. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much Yuying for joining me today and sharing your insights and thoughts. Thank you so much for having me Ruth, it was very good talking to you. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll speak to you next time on the next episode of G-Risk.